Amen. Well, I release the kids through grade four as we get ready to look into his word. The Bible tells us so, and that's why we spend our time looking into the Bible, so we can know this unbelievable love that God has for us and the way that he demonstrates that. It's good to be with you this morning. We're continuing to look at this unbelievable truth of what it means to live our lives by faith. Thank you, Drew. And... Um, and what does that mean to live by faith? And, and we've been looking at uh, Hebrews and Hebrews chapter 11, specifically looking at some heroes of the faith, if you will, and uh, taking a snapshot of, of what the author in Hebrews tells us and unpacking that. And so with Sarah, we looked at how she was ready to receive the power of God. So by faith, we can be ready to receive the power of God. Last week, we looked at, at Abraham and the test that was brought into his life and, and how by faith we can look at the tests that come in our lives and, and, and see what God is doing in our lives and beyond. Today, we're going to look at, at living by faith looks beyond death, okay? So living by faith looks beyond death, and, and that, of course, causes us to think, that, think about death. And there's death that's each one of us will face that. And some of you may have faced that in different ways than others. Some of you may have loved ones who've died, and some of you may have diagnoses that cause you to, to think about death differently than others. And, but the mortality rate among humans is 100%. We are all going to die. And, and that's absolutely certain. And faith, see, if I live by faith, I look beyond death. Because death on this earth, you see, is the beginning of real life for a follower of Jesus. And so today we're looking at Jacob. And in Hebrews 11, we're looking at the passage that talks about Jacob. And, um, and, and in there, we're going to see that, that he did live his life looking beyond death. And the verses that we see that state that are here in Hebrews 11, 20 through 21. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. And by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. So we're seeing that he's looking beyond death in this verse, in these verses. And, and I need to go back, Brenda, please. And so as we look at these verses, we're going to see, and we're going to look at three different things that we see in here, and I want you to see them in these verses before we start talking about them, okay? The first thing we see is that by faith, Isaac invoked blessings on Jacob and Esau. So the first thing we see is that Jacob received a blessing, so what he's passing on is something that he's received. And then we see when he was dying, he blessed each of the sons of Joseph. And as we look at that passage, we're going to see that right before he died, he began to, he began to take those blessings he had received and pass them on without knowing any way how they would be fulfilled, but by faith, trusting that they would be. And then he bowed in worship over the head of his staff right up until he breathed his last. Jacob was one who worshiped God. And so as we look at what does it mean to look beyond death, we're going to see how does it look to take what we've received and pass it on, and how does it look for us to be able to pass that on, knowing that the fulfillment depends on God, and then how do we worship right up to the end? 
So let's look at this passage today. Living by faith looks beyond death. And by faith, the received blessing is passed on. We're going to look in chapter 27. In chapter 27 of Genesis, it gives us a glimpse into the, the blessing that Jacob received. And remember that as we look at Hebrews, this is written to a Jewish audience. I've said this a couple of times before. It's written to a Jewish audience, and as such, as the author of Hebrews writes this, he knows that when they hear what he's saying, they're going to immediately go to the narrative of Isaac and, and, and um, Jacob and Esau. They know that narrative. We, we don't necessarily know the whole narrative. In our, in our churches and things like that, a lot of times we spend time looking at certain aspects of the narratives. Like even David's life, for example. We know, you know David and Goliath, and, and we know other things about David, but we don't necessarily sit down and read the whole narrative to understand how it all ties together. But the author of Hebrews would know that as he begins to talk about Jacob receiving this blessing, that immediately his audience would have understood what that meant. So for us, we step into the narrative of Jacob at the moment where his father is going to place the blessing over him. Now, this blessing that's being placed over Jacob, and you'll remember perhaps that Jacob's mother had two. Rebecca had two kids, Esau and Jacob. And Esau was born first. He was a hairy dude, red hair. And he came out first, and Jacob was holding on to his heel, okay? And then Jacob came out. And God spoke at that time that, that Jacob would be the one who would receive all the things that a firstborn would receive. But as things would have it, the narrative unfolds how those things came to be. Now, we're stepping into the narrative at a point in time where um, Isaac has said, I'm going to put a blessing so he said to Esau, Esau, I want to give you a blessing, so go out and hunt some food and come back, because Esau was a great hunter. So Harry Red Esau takes off and goes to hunt. And as he goes off to hunt, Harry Red Esau, then hairless, you know, no, I don't know. But Jacob, his brother, comes, and, and his mother says to him, okay, you've you got to get this blessing. Well, how am I going to do that? I'm not hairy. Well, here you go. Here's a goat skin. You put that on your arm. Everything will be fine. Sounds good. Let's do that. And so he cooks a stew. He goes in, and his father Isaac says to him, come near and kiss me, my son. He's like, I'm not sure this is who you are, but you smell like it, and the food tasted like it, so here you go. So Jacob came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments, and he blessed him. And he said, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of earth, the plenty of grain and wine. Let the people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So we see that as we look at this, this is, in many ways, a restatement of the blessings that had been given to Abraham. So Jacob is beginning to receive the blessings that had been given to Abraham, transferred to Isaac, and then moved down to Jacob. And so these peoples would serve you, and nations would bow down. Remember that when Sarah conceived Isaac, it was said that she would have kings that would come from her. So that's a restatement of that. When God spoke to Abraham, he said, cursed be everyone who curses you. And so we see a restatement of that. So we see that what, what Isaac received, he's passing to Jacob. 
All right, so this blessing that's been received is being passed on. Now Esau comes in after hunting and finds out the blessing's been given away, and he says, do you only have one blessing? Bless me also, oh my father. And he lifted up his voice and wept. And what we need to understand is at this point in time, if you didn't receive a blessing, it was like you were receiving a curse. So to not have the blessing was bad enough that the blessing, and this blessing, you remember, Genesis 1:28, God created man and woman, and he, he said, I bless you. And they chose to sit, and they chose to move away from that blessing, because if I choose to bring sin in my life, I, I, I choose to move myself outside of God's blessing. can't bless the sin in my life. And so as Adam and Eve sinned, they moved outside of that blessing. And with no way on their own to restore that, God had a plan in place, and that plan included the offspring of Eve, which would be the offspring of Abraham, which would be the offspring of Isaac, which would be the offspring of Jacob. And so this blessing that was sought was a blessing of the redemptive plan of God being passed on. To receive the blessing is, is wonderful to receive the blessing from your father, but it's even more, how do, I, how do I find the blessing of the Lord in my life? And so Esau weeps and says, God, don't you have a blessing for me too? And Isaac, his father, answered him and said, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall be your dwelling, away from the dew of heaven on high. By the sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And when you grow restless, you will break his yoke from your neck. Thank you. I mean, it's the exact opposite, right? But listen, in here is this promise. You will break the yoke from your neck. And he did that. Way forward in the future, when, when Judah was taken into captivity into Babylon, finally, Edom, Esau, threw off the yoke from its neck. In Genesis 35, God speaks a blessing over Jacob. It's a blessing that he received from God. And, um, and, it's, and, and he appears to Jacob when he comes from Padam Aram, which is her, and, and he blesses him. And God says, your name is Jacob. No longer shall you be called Jacob, but Israel will be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Be fruitful, multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. And so here's the blessing that God brings over him. And, and again, you can see that this is this blessing that's going to continue, and it's a blessing for the, the land to be given to him. It's a blessing for kings and nations to come. It's a, it's a promise for, for the king, Jesus, to come. And so this is the blessing he's received. And and he understands what that blessing is. So what's the blessing we've received? Paul in 1 Corinthians says this. Now, my brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you're saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. So here we have this 
Paul is talking about this, and he's talking to this church in Corinth, and he's saying, what I've received, I passed on to you. And what is it that Paul received? It's of first importance, he tells them. Of everything that you've received, this is what's of greatest importance. Of everything I've received, Paul said, of first importance to me is this that I've received and have passed on to you. And what is it? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures? That he was buried? That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures? And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve? What is of first importance that you have received? The gospel. The gospel is of first importance, especially as you've received it. See, do you, do you understand what a blessing your salvation is? See, we, we seek for the blessing of God. It's been said, Paschal said, that we have a God-shaped hole in our, in our hearts, and it comes from Ecclesiastes where it says, God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. There's a longing inside each one of those who God's created to be in an intimate relationship with the Creator. There's a longing to experience the blessing of God. And listen, I understand there's a lot of preachers out there who are telling you the blessing of God is a nice car and a good home and all of these things. Listen, that's not what we're talking about here. Okay, that's not what this is about. Because you're going to live a gazillion years and that's just the beginning. And so what we're talking about here is, is eternal life. And eternal life, John 17 tells us, is knowing God, knowing Jesus. And so you see, what Paul received that was of greatest importance to him was a restored and reconciled relationship with the Creator, with God Almighty, because of the sacrifice of Jesus. The greatest blessing you have in your life, could I suggest to you, is your relationship with God the Father because of the sacrifice of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Can I get a witness to that? See, that's the greatest blessing you have. And Paul says, what I received, that which I have received, I passed on to you. And so I wonder, how, how's that? Do you, you know, sometimes these guys in the, in the Old Testament got these blessings. It didn't seem like they always understood exactly what they were getting. And I think sometimes for us, our salvation can get like that too. But to realize just what a, an incredible sacrifice was made for us to have that. Then secondly, once we realize that, we're able to see that a fulfillment of the blessing is known by faith. By faith, we can know the fulfillment of this blessing. All right, And so by faith, I'm going to step into the presence of God one day. And I'm going to know the fulfillment of that blessing. As I jump into the arms of Jesus or fall before him or do both at the same time, whatever it is, I'm going to be in his presence and the fulfillment of that blessing of my salvation will come. But as we look and see, for, for Jacob, he was able to see that the fu fulfillment of the blessing was known as he comes to the end of his life, and, and, and Genesis 48 and 49 give us a glimpse into what happened on his final days, if you will. And, and on those days, he, he comes to, um, to, to Joseph, and, he's, and he says, God Almighty appeared to me in Luz, which is Bethel, and, and, 
in the land of Canaan, and he blessed me. And then he tells Joseph what that blessing was, okay? And he says that, um, yeah, next slide, please, Brenda. Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. I will make you a company of peoples and will give you this land as an offspring, as an everlasting possession. So Jacob is recounting to Joseph the blessing that he's received, and he hasn't experienced this yet. He hasn't, he hasn't become the company of a lot of people. He, he hasn't received the land yet. But he's telling Joseph, this is what God has said, and so I'm going to pass that blessing on to your sons. And so he comes to the sons of Joseph, and he stretches out his right and his left hand and, and prays this blessing over them. In verse, um, verse 15, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. So he's saying to Joseph, he's saying, God is the God whom my fathers walked with. And, and more or less saying, I walked with him as well. And, and it's this idea that Jacob had a he had an interesting life, and I encourage you to read his narrative. It's a fascinating life as he came to the point where he realized that God was his shepherd. And he realizes that God had been his shepherd all his life. Jacob was a shepherd. He understood what that meant. What he's saying here is God has cared for me. He's fed me. He's nourished me. He's washed me. He's... he's He's kept me clean. He's, he's taken care of every one of my needs. He's disciplined me. He's kept me in line. When I, was, when I was doing foolish things, he fixed it for me. When I ended up upside down, couldn't stand up, he stood me up. Whatever it was, God has been my shepherd all my life long. And he redeemed me from all evil. And I'm going to ask him to bless your boys. And in them let my name be carried on. The name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac... And in this world, so many people are trying to make a name for themselves, and we realize that this name that has been passed on to Abraham, God said, I will bless your name. And so it's that name that's going to be carried on. And, and, and Israel is, or Israel, yes, Jacob, is passing this name on to Ephraim and Manasseh. Let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And then he jumps forward in verse 20, and he says, but you, by you, Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And he put Ephraim before Manasseh. So we've got this beautiful um, blessing that's being offered over the sons of Joseph. And in this blessing, Jacob, Israel, has brought Ephraim and Manasseh and made them equal with the, ten ten son uh, the 11 sons of himself, of Jacob. So the two grandsons are equal with the sons, okay? Now, stick with me, a little complicated, but lots of fun to know, okay? A little, a little while later in 49 verse 10, Jacob offers the blessing over Judah, and he says that the scepter shall not depart from Judah. To him shall be the obedience of the peoples. So we have Judah with a blessing that the line would come from him, the offspring, Jesus, the lion of Judah, right? You know, And so we know that Jesus has come from Judah. So again, here's Jacob praying these blessings over these boys, and he's looking forward to a fulfillment that will come in the future. Now when you watch this, you'll see um, that 
fast forward. So the nation grows in, in Egypt, and then they move out of Egypt under Moses. They move into the land of Canaan under Joshua, and the land is divided between the 12 tribes, okay? So it's Ephraim and Manasseh, okay, and 10 other sons of Jacob. And then the one son of Jacob, Levi, is not given land because he's in the priesthood. So you've got these 12 tribes that divide up the land of Canaan and on the other side, and they've got all this land. And they live under the, under the judges, and then comes Saul, and that didn't work out so well. Here comes David, and David unites them in a powerful way, and they become a nation. And then his son Solomon comes in. Solomon's not quite as wise in his kingdom, even though he was the wisest man who ever lived. And so the kingdom starts to feel a strain. And then under his son Rehoboam, the 10 tribes of Ephraim move away. The 10 tribes of Joseph move away. And they become the northern kingdom, referred to as Israel. The name was given to them, Ephraim. And then the two tribes in the south become Judah, The 10 tribes to the north are taken away by the Assyrians. And eventually the two tribes to the south, Judah, will be taken away under the Babylonians. And so as as they divide out, the the 10 tribes disappear in the time of Assyrians and they get all amalgamated with Assyria and everything else and they basically disappear from the earth. But the two tribes come back from Babylon and they reestablish themselves in the land of Canaan. But the 10 tribes are lost. But there's a promise that's been prayed over them. There's a promise that's been prayed over Ephraim. And so it's like, well, what happens to that? Because we've watched the Old Testament fulfillment, but we don't see the fulfillment of that. If we look at Ezekiel chapter 37, we see the fulfillment of that promise. Because in Ezekiel 37... It's the valley of dry bones. And as we come out of the valley of dry bones, God speaks to Ezekiel. And he says to him, take a stick and write Joseph on it, because that will be for all the people of Israel who are with him. It's the stick of Ephraim, Scripture tells us. And then he says, take a stick take another stick and write Judah on that. And that's for all the people who are of Israel who are with Judah. So take these two sticks that have been divided and put them together as one stick. And you're going to bring those two sticks together and people are going to say to you, why Why are you bringing these two sticks together? And God tells Ezekiel, you tell them that I am going to join the two together. I'm going to take the people from both tribe, both kingdoms, from Ephraim and from Judah, and I'm going to bring them all together in the land again, and I will be king over them, and they will no longer be two nations, no longer divided into two kingdoms. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols and their detestable things or with any of their transgressions, but I will save them from all their backsliding. Backsliding, I will cleanse them. They will be my people and I will be their God. So this is this amazing moment as Jacob has prayed this over Ephraim and he's prayed this over Judah. These blessings that have yet to be fulfilled are coming together in the end times. And so we look at this and I happen to believe that this is happening right now as people from all the tribes are making their way back to Israel. And I believe we're seeing the fulfillment of this right in our midst. 
as, as God is drawing them back together and he will be their king. It's that stick of Judah and that stick of Joseph that has never experienced the unity that God had designed for them to have. So as we look at this, the blessing that, that Jacob received, he understood was an eternal blessing. He said the land was given as an eternal possession to me, and so he understands the eternality of it, and so he speaks a blessing that looks into the future. So, by faith, fulfillment of the blessing is known. There's no way Jacob could have looked forward to understand all of the things that have happened in the thousands of years since he prayed over Ephraim and Judah. The final thing we see with Jacob is that he, is, he realizes that the true giver of the blessing is the one to be worshipped he realizes that he's not the one who can control any of it. He's just passing on the blessing that he's received. The real giver of the blessing is the Father God Almighty. Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. We're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's what the gospel has secured for us. That's what our salvation has secured for us. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's a kingdom held in heaven for us. And so because of that, we worship with acceptable worship that comes in reverence and awe to the Father. As we take this amazing blessing that we've received and we pass it on. So some questions. How are you passing on the blessing that you've received in Christ? And how can you speak of future blessing over someone this week? How can you let them know the truth of who Jesus is? And in what ways are you worshiping God this day, right now? I came across a quote from John Bacon. It's actually not a quote. It's actually the inscription on his tombstone in Westminster Abbey. John Bacon was a famous um, sculptor. And many of his sculptures are still out there, and they're huge, and they're gorgeous, and they're beautiful. But on his tomb is this inscription. What I was as an artist seemed of some importance to me while I lived. But what I was as a believer in Jesus Christ is the only thing of importance to me now. Isn't that powerful? So, what may seem to be of importance to you now is not what will be important to you. And as we live understanding the importance, my importance is in who Jesus is in my life. God, that's the same for every one of us. Nothing is more important, it's of first importance that we would be able to recognize and realize your love in our lives. God, as we've received that amazing blessing of our salvation, help us pass it on for the generations yet to come that they may know there's a God in heaven who loves them so much that he sent his only son to be a sacrifice for our sins. And we pray this in his name. Amen.